Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to Magic Through My Eyes. If this is your first time at the podcast, welcome. My name is Andy, and this is a podcast for the daydreamers about the magic and wonder of Disney in all its unique expressions from my perspective. It's been a few weeks since we've been together. The last episode was all about the song A Whole New World. We took about 30 minutes together and just broke down every little aspect of this song, why it's so magical, and it was just such a fun episode to put together, and I think it was the perfect way to get back into creating episodes after an unintentional uh, sabbatical, you could call it. Unintentional time away. Right, <laughs> from releasing episodes, and I'm so excited to be back. Now, um, you've already heard a special voice, not mine today. Um, well, I guess in addition to mine. Um, I don't want to wait. make you guys wait too long before we talk about the topic of today's episode, but I did want to introduce this week's guest. Those who are part of the Magic Through My Eyes family already know this voice. Um, she has been a guest on multiple episodes already, such as some of my favorite episodes of all time, actually, Disney with Autism and the I Want song, where we started the journey of the magic of music. Um, she is my sister and yours, Nikki. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Andy. Hey, Magic Through My Eyes family. So good to be back with you guys. I am stoked to be here. We're going to have so much fun today, so just buckle up. Buckle up, (laughs) y'all. I wanted to bring Nikki on for this episode specifically because this topic has been part of our ongoing conversation for months now. It is. It is all... Or has. Has has been. been. Yes. It is all (laughs) about Disney Animation Studios' newest film... Yep, the 60th. The 60th, which is Encanto. Um, And without going too deep into it before we get into the body of the episode, I decided to call this episode, I Think We Fixed Encanto. So without further ado, let's just jump right on into it. So one of the things that I've said from the beginning of Magic Through My Eyes is that this show's not just about what Disney does. It's about what we can do too. And that has just shown up in beautiful and spontaneous ways through pretty much every episode. And that's kind of the whole heart behind this episode specifically. One of the ways that I find we can be part of the conversation is to use our creativity, exercise it, and in a way, write our own version of these beautiful stories, which I do believe Encanto is a beautiful story. You may think with an episode title, I think we fixed Encanto, that we're trying to dog on it. We're not. Um, This is a story that I think is good, but I think with some adjustments, it could be great. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think there's a lot of solid pieces and parts and characters and songs um, but just from the back and forth that you and I have had, I, I mean, I, like you said, I really think it could just be taken to even the next level. Yeah. Um, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful for where, like what we saw. Yeah. But I, I definitely think we, we can, we can go further. Oh, totally. And I don't want to, of course, just want, I want to jump right into what we're <coughs> going to be talking about, but I think a little bit of, uh, premise work here is important. Um, 
we we are Christians. We love Jesus, and we believe yes, we that we are made in the image of God. And God mm-hmm. is the most creative being that has ever been. And he ever is will the be. exactly. He is the greatest storyteller that ever was and ever will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, being image bearers and made in His image, we are to function the way that He does. And I believe that fully means that we get to function creatively. We get to Absolutely. be storytellers ourselves, yeah. whether we know it or not. Our lives tell stories, whether we, you know, are teachers or lawyers or work for a nonprofit, whatever it is, our lives will tell a story. And and so often that's how we connect with other people. Yeah, absolutely. through the stories of our life that, you know, we're living or the stories that are from their life and seeing those similarities Mm -hmm. and on the flip side things that happen that sometimes we can learn from like hard things totally that that we can learn from those people's lives and their stories that they're living out absolutely and so today is more of an exercise of i think our identity as storytellers um, because that's, that's part of the identity of God. And I mm-hmm. love that so much about him. It's, it's why I love Disney. I talked about that in my first episode. Um, episode one, baby. Why I love Disney. <laughs> um, but in no way am I saying, and Nikki, I know you'd say this too. We are in no way professional storytellers. We, <laughs> I mean, we I'm like to do this. professional storyteller for the story of my life. Exactly. But, but that's about it. <laughs> outside of that, we're, we're really leaning into, I think, some subjective opinion. And I mean, that's the definition of opinion is that it's subjective. Um, but we do think that there are some story beats within Encanto that... Um, and also just like themes as a whole yeah. within Disney that we've seen for a long time. So we're going to talk about that in this episode in particular because, yeah, yeah we're talking about the movie Encanto, mm-hmm. but it's not just solely based off this film. Yeah. Not everything that we're going to talk about today. Exactly. So we're, we're, t- we're going to talk about some patterns that we've sure. seen for a while. Totally. And that's part of like how we see stories. Um, and basically this is this is not going to be a film review episode think of this more as like a film critique if nikki and i were in a storyboard meeting and we had a red pen what would we mark up what would we add what would we change that's kind of what um the pov is for this episode specifically i feel like i I should be holding a red pen now i know maybe we should have you should buy me one we should have thought this through. Oh, oops. Um, <laughs> I'll add it to the production budget. Perfect. Of zero dollars. Um, <laughs> it's great. It's fine. Um, but I think what's important going into this with our opinions of the film and then also what we want to contribute to what's a, a good film that we want to see be a great, incredible story um, is kind of our first impressions. Yeah, um, let's do it. Let's start. So do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? You go first. Okay. Because, I mean, you saw it before I did. That's true. So we'll just kind of go in order. So I didn't know this. Well, I mean, I kind of did, but subconsciously, I've been waiting for this movie since I was a young girl. I grew up during the Disney Renaissance where Disney animated movies traveled the world. I mean, the first movie out of the gate was Little Mermaid. Some claim that that took place in Denmark, somewhere in the Europe world and then um rescuers down under was australia beauty and the beast was france aladdin was the middle east um lion king was in africa pocahontas was in virginia 
um, Hunchback was back to Paris, yep. and then Hercules was Greece, Mulan was China, Tarzan was back to Africa. So literally went all around the all world. All around the world. Touched almost every continent within 10 films. And growing up, I was like, when are they going to do like a Hispanic yeah. Disney musical? Where... Where Where is that? I feel like that's something that's missing in this. Um, and part of that is because of my family heritage. My mom mm-hmm. um, comes from a Puerto Rican family. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we wear that proudly. We yes, love our we Latin heritage. Absolutely. And so I felt like it was something that was missing. I was like, this is a gold mine, you know? Like Hispanic music is just, it's so, so vibrant. It's so vibrant, so full of flavor and energy. Like, why have we not tapped into this? Right. So when I heard 20 years later that they were going to make a movie based in Colombia, I was like, Dun-da-da-da. praise God, we finally have it. It's going to happen. And so <laughs> I remember you telling me, you're like, I'm, we're finally going to get our yeah. Latin princess. <laughs> I know. We made it to Norway, back to Europe, like <laughs> with Tangled and with Frozen before we ever got to down yeah. south, yeah. you know? And I was just so excited about it. Um, and so anticipation going into it, um, I was like excited, but I didn't want to be too excited. Um, Dude, I remember I was just like nervous. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, not to play my hand too quickly for in case you ever have me on for other films or things, but I wasn't necessarily super de duper jazzed <laughs> about everything that had been coming out. Sure. And so, and, and to your point, this was a character, a family, a heritage that we had been looking for and the world had been waiting on for a long time totally and so it was is definitely very much like a oh man i hope okay. i know i hope this, I hope is, this great. is okay and then Please even do a good job like knowing that lin-manuel miranda was going to be doing the music for it i was like well if nothing else the music's going to be great because that's kind of how i felt about moana i was like story's a mess but the songs made it and so i was like if nothing else that'll be the saving grace will be the songs. So I decided in true like Disney fan fashion, I was like, I want to see this opening weekend in the theaters. And I did not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my husband Nathan and I went to the theater and I was really excited. And then I watched the movie and was confused and underwhelmed. I'd say perplexed and perplexed and disappointed. I was like, man, this, this was it. Like, this is what we got. I've waited two decades of my life for this. I remember you came home and I asked you for your first impression. And we always do a good job of like, when we see. Not spoiling. Yeah. Like we don't spoil the movie for the other person, but we'll still give honest like thoughts in She just, like, had a really hard time putting together sentences on how you felt. Like, you just, (laughs) you were just like, I don't, it was, it was something. Yeah. (laughs) I think you said, I think that's kind of what you said. Yeah. It was, it was something. You'll have to just see it for yourself. Yeah, literally. I was like, you're just going to have to watch it. Like, it, it was, and I asked Nathan too, and he was kind of confused with the story as well the story didn't quite make sense to him and um so those were my first impressions yeah um of Encanto so 
Yeah, and take and, it, and then take for it, Nikki. for me, um, so I already knew going into the film that Andy was like super confused yeah. <laughs> by the whole thing. So I saw it with my husband Joseph, um, who you've heard on the podcast the for the Ratatouille, Ratatouille episode. Yeah. Um, Ratatouille, Ratatouille. But anyway, we saw it on Disney Plus at our home, mm-hmm. um, and again. Uh, we had very similar reaction in that um, we were just kind of like, what just happened? It just felt um, like there was so much said, but it, I was very confused. And I feel like none and of it was said was, clearly, though. Yeah, it was, it was not clear to me. There was so much movement, so much action. And then even in the songs, I was like, why are you throwing so much like color and all this stuff at me? Like I almost I, felt like overstimulating it, I in just a way. Felt, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. I totally forgot. I said, this is a film that's literally been created for today's day and age where we live in this like over saturated, overstimulated yeah. like world. And that's the movie that they created. Mm-hmm. I have a different perspective now. I'll give you that heads up. So I didn't stay there, but I, oh yeah, I, neither did I. I, I forgot to say that. Very, huh? Yeah, yeah. And that was similarly to how I felt. So, but you, well, actually, it was Joseph, really, and then you kind of confirmed it. Yeah. Y'all decided to watch it again. Yeah, Joseph had gotten convinced by a coworker at at his job. Um, who had given the movie a second chance and said, hey, I really think you guys need to sit down and give this a second watch. And so um, Joseph kind of talked me into it, and we sat down and watched it again. And the strangest thing happened where I liked it the second time after watching it. And there, there were certain parts not a whole lot but there was some that I liked from the first viewing right but that was I was like whoa I liked this movie and then you watched it yeah so and did we like come in and watch part of it with you well no what kind of happened Joseph especially was like you should really try it again like don't knock it for the second time yeah just try it I remember I had to like kind of help defend it I was like hey I thought it was crazy too, but I watched it again and it made a lot more sense and and yeah. I think I like it now. So what happened, because I like resisted it for months. I was like, no, I don't really like this movie. I don't want to try it again. It kind of broke my heart, you know, and disappointed me so yeah. much that I didn't want to <laughs> go back. We were moving, all four of us. Yeah. I think I've mentioned on here, all four of us lived together. Yeah, and we so we house. moved from one house to another. And we were finishing packing up the kitchen and Nikki and I had the whole evening to ourselves. We're just trying to make it fun. We were like cleaning and packing up final things. And so we started. Oh, the joys of life. Who doesn't love just packing up a kitchen and cleaning? Mm. Yeah. (laughs) So fun. (laughs) But I remember we turned on like Disney soundtracks. So like Beauty and the Beast and Tangled were a couple that I remember listening to. And then Nikki was like, dude, 
let's turn on the Encanto soundtrack. And I had tried to listen to this soundtrack and I just, I just couldn't. There was only one song that I liked and that was the only reason I would go to it. I tried listening to podcasts, like to try to get into it because I thought it was crazy. Like I felt like I did not see the same movie that everyone else did when it came out on Disney Plus. And everyone's like, do I keep missing the mark? (laughs) Yeah, seriously. And I was like, did we see the same movie? Like, I feel like I'm insane. Yeah. So anyway, Nikki's like, let's just try it. And we started listening to the songs and all of a sudden they like came to life. Yeah. And it like, we didn't move till the end of March. And I saw this movie at the end of November. Yeah. So it took me like a good five months of not listening to it really. Mm -hmm. And then I tried listening to it and I was like, this isn't bad. Like these songs are actually really good. And that was what disappointed me on my first viewing was I was like, I was like, Lin-Manuel Miranda, like, you've never let me down with your songs, but I think you've let me down with your songs in my Latin Disney movie, you know, of all movies. And Andy's like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I don't know what I'm going to do. But that second time listening through them, I was like, oh, these songs rock. Like, I don't know what it was. Just something clicked. And I started listening to the soundtrack more and more. Maybe it's because we were cleaning our own casita. Maybe. And it just, it just it came just felt alive. Right. It just and felt right. Yeah, no. But, and then it was, it was after I had listened to the soundtrack a few times. And I, I played it constantly you guys, after that night. She became like, obsessed I was, I was with hooked. the soundtrack. Every time hooked. we got in the car, she was playing it. <laughs> I remember like we would drive back and forth between the houses, like moving last minute things and it would just have it Encanto on. I remember playing. putting it on when I was getting ready in the mornings. Like I loved it. And I loved starting at the beginning of the mm-hmm. soundtrack and going through, uh, which was a good sign to me of like, okay, I think I actually like this. Okay. Um, and then so that was I really the key for you. It was the music. Was, yeah. You fell in love with the music. Totally. And that really helped you. Yeah. Try again well, with the movie. Well, if anyone listened to my episode, my favorite movie of all time, where I talked about Mary Poppins, that was how I was really introduced to my love of Mary Poppins was through the music as well. Mm-hmm. I found the soundtrack one day and just started listening to it. Um, and then it wasn't until after several listens to the soundtrack that I listened to, uh, watched the movie again. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, maybe there's like a similarity there. I just tend to grab onto the music. Um, and then I, I watched know. the movie again and you liked it and I really liked it. And I was like, huh, I'm so at war right now with myself <laughs> because I like wrote this movie off. But it, it got so much better with the second viewing. And with subsequent viewings, it's just gotten better every time. Which is so strange to me. Like, yeah. it's still weird to me that I feel like I like the movie every time, a little bit more yeah. every time I watch it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's just because there's so much that they try to pack into the film. So it's that, like you have like, to digest it in several yeah, viewings. Like, I, don't, I don't know if that's part of it. And I know I had brought this up earlier to you, but I I do think that that is a huge aspect of Hispanic culture and families. Yeah. um, That they did a really good job of bringing into the film is Mm -hmm. just like, sometimes, like, it can just be a lot. Mm -hmm. Not that it's bad, um, because family is amazing and you love them and you want to be around them. But I, I, I remember the last time we were all with my mom's side of the family yeah. uh, in California. And I, I was just like very overwhelmed with even where to start. I was like, yeah. who do I talk to first? <laughs> like, right. Um, you know, it, so again, I love it. 
it's amazing, but it can just be kind of a lot. A lot of moving pieces. People are going everywhere, and they're talking really fast. And, you know, there's... Uh, there's lots you know, of movement. There's, there's lots, lots of, of characters. Movement. People are speaking in Spanish. People are speaking in English. Like, <laughs> multiple lots languages. Colors. Lots of color going on. Like, like, it's just a lot. But it really, like you're saying, it really does encapsulate the spirit of a Hispanic family. Which I love. Oh, totally. So that was good. It was just a lot. Yeah. As a moviegoer... Because I was like, I don't know what you want me to focus on right now. Yeah, seriously. It was like, anyway, so it's, and this, I'm not the only person who said this. Like, my favorite Disney podcast is a podcast called Disorder Every Disney Film. And uh, they recently did their review of Encanto, and I was really looking forward to it. And one of the hosts on there said the same thing. He's like, I was so confused that I liked it so much more the second time I saw it. Yeah. And now he, like, really loves it. And I'm in the same boat. Like, I'm yeah. a big fan. It's weird. Yeah, it's so strange. But we could we could dwell on that for we forever could. and a day. Um, but well, we've got some other things to talk about. we got some other about. things to talk about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but all of that said, like, I hope you guys hear that we actually really like this movie. And we're not here to dog on it. We're not here to overly criticize this movie. But again, like we said before... Um, this film has because, taken us on a journey. Yeah, totally. And, and so that's what we're sharing. Yeah, because we love this movie, we want to see it be the very best version of it. And that's why we're having this conversation. You know, if we were in the director's chair with that red pen, what would we do? What would we change? And so we, we talked through this a little bit earlier. We were literally playing the movie in the background and we're just writing out, okay, what are some key things Right. That we would change if we could or add, you know, whatever that is. Um, and for me, the first scene that falls short. Say it. Um, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Um, <laughs> is waiting on a miracle. Now, you want to talk about how important music is. <laughs> and then you finally get this Latina female lead. That we've waited for. We've waited for decades. And they come out with Waiting on a Miracle as her song. Not just any song, her I Want song. Her I Want song. Like, one of the most important songs of the movie. Well, and I was telling Andy earlier, that's what these female leads are remembered for. Oh, totally. More often than not. More often than like, you know, the, a funny line that they said sure. or, you know, something that they did character wise in the film. No, they're remembered for the song that they sing. Yeah. And when I first heard this and for months, I was like, this is the most forgettable I want song I've ever heard in my life. Dude, if we had fully. <laughs> Let's OK. The I want song episode that we did. Would have been different it if we would have included, we would have included waiting, on a waiting on a miracle. We decided not to because yeah. we didn't want to make enemies that episode. Nope. <laughs> but we figured it's been enough time now. Like we can talk about it. It just felt to me like when I first listened to it. And again, I like it a lot more now. Like the whiniest, moaniest, like <laughs> just... It kind of sounded pathetic. I'm waiting on a miracle. A miracle! You know what I mean? (laughs) It just was 
what is going on here? And um, I think I described it earlier as like, th- it's like if Eeyore sang this song. Yeah. I'm hills broken. <laughs> of course, I'm like overemphasizing. Yeah. Um, but this song just fell so flat for me. And for multiple reasons. But when digging into the song itself, reading the lyrics... I was like, no, the content of this song is so good. Yeah, if you why, just read the lyrics, it's actually like pretty powerful. Yeah, why does this not hit? And yeah, why even, does this, why is this such a flop? Yeah, even from the creative um, side of it, Lin Manuel Miranda decided to write the song in three four time, which is so of cool. Four four time, and he's like, that was the ch- the the choice I made because she was literally out of beat with the rest of her family, which genius amazing and so i'm like we love why, it. why is this not making sense and then i started playing with the idea i was like what if you changed the key of the song and i realized and i'm again quoting that episode of disorder one of the hosts andy said i think this song is hampered by her vocal range and i would agree and i think that's the number one issue with, with the song. That. i also though want to say that if you listen to Stephanie Beatrice, is that how you say her last name? I think Beatrice, somewhere in there. Okay. If you listen to Stephanie's vocals on other songs, she sounds amazing. Yeah, she sounds like crystal song clear. Song one. Not whiny. To the Family finale. Madrigal, and then All of Me. Oh my gosh. All of you. I'm sorry. All of you. You're good. <laughs> you know, I'm making up ones. That's sure. how excited sure. I am. Yeah. Easy mistake, though. Um, and we'll get to that. She crushes the vocal. Totally. But Amazing. Then, and then Waiting on a Miracle, Amazing. it's like a flat line. There's no dimension to it. No dimension whatsoever. And she sounds super nasally. which But d- like a not good nasally. Yeah. And, which just adds to the, like, the whiny factor. Yeah. And so I'm also frustrated with this song because I feel like it does not showcase her and her abilities well yeah totally what's crazy is like andy just said and she's she's going to show you here in a second literally guys key keys with songs they make her break they make her break the dynamics you can sing the same song in the wrong key for your vocal range and it just falls flat but even Mm -hmm. and i'll show you here in a second like I decided to experiment with what if you raised the key a half step, just a half, which is the smallest key increment that you can switch a song. Um, And it totally changed it. It lifts the song. It lifts the melody. Um, And so again, just wanted to reiterate, I'm not trying to dog on Stephanie. Oh, no, no, no. This Um, is, this is not her fault. This like, I just really wish that would have been more a part of the consideration. And who knows, maybe it was, but it's just crazy. She just sounds like a completely different vocalist. Yeah. On on, across these songs. So but anyway, show us what you're talking about. So I grabbed my guitarra. Um so this song originally is in the key of A. So So the chorus would go. I can move the mountains, I can make the flowers bloom, I can't take another night up in my room, waiting on a miracle. We know the song. 
America. If, if you take that and bump it up a half step to B flat. I can move the mountain. I can make the flowers bloom. And I can take another night up in my room, waiting on a miracle. It totally lifts the song. Lifts the song. Like. Amazing. And plus, it's just, there's something really cool about B flat as a key. Um, it's just, it, for me, it's really unique. I enjoy singing in that key. Um, and I know not everyone who listens to this podcast is a vocalist or a musician, um, but you're totally right on the money, Andy, in that it just really lifts the song and the, the melody and everything. It just, it's so much lighter. There's so much more energy yeah. and vibrancy. And that's Mirabel, that's what she, that's who she is. That's what she brings to the table and what she, what she does for her family. Yeah, you know? totally. So, yeah. So the bridge here. Always walking alone. Always wanting for more. Like I'm still at that door. Longing to shine like all of you shine. See, it just has so much more emotion to it. Literally with just a half step. Um, it's amazing. And it changes from like a moany, whiny type feel where it changes to like this it's like emotional. A, it's like an inner heart cry. Yeah, like, that's exactly. What I, it's a cry. That's, that's the word. That's what it is. Yeah, that's, totally. And that right there, that is what you want to hear in an I want song. Exactly. You I want to hear the cry. something to the effect on the episode. I'm not going to quote like myself. preaching to vocalists right now. I know. Let's go, baby. Let's go. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, I remember saying something to the effect of part of the beauty of an I want song is like the the um, the protagonist. Yeah, protagonist. The protagonist is like painting you a picture of what they want and what they dream of, but they never are coming at it from a place of feeling sorry from themselves. Yeah. Like, because that's, you don't want that. You don't, like, that's not going to make you want to root for the character and get mm-hmm. on their side. And, like, that's not how they're going to win you over. Yeah. And and just simply raising it, that key, half a step, man, you just, you get to that heart cry and that, like, <clears throat> yeah, like, oh, I see, I can hear it, I can feel it. Totally. Where she's coming from and where what, what she wants. Yeah. And obviously... Like, I understand. I, I am an alto at heart. I have tried to work on singing higher because I love show tunes, and there's no alto show tunes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I always say that I'm a fake soprano. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Um, but, like, with... I feel like, especially with that small of an increment of a key raise, a just half a half step, step She uh, Stephanie could have easily been trained uh, to to sing that really well. Oh, Absolutely absolutely and again this is not us dogging her performance i just think the key wasn't uh the song was not written in the right key for her no and i feel like we probably should say just because it may came up may come up um we are fully aware and if you did not know she was pregnant um like fully 
she was basically pregnant. full term yeah, when no, she, she was recorded full term, this song. And I heard, because I've, I've done a lot of research for this episode, sure. that she was actually like having labor pains when she was recording this song. Yeah, which is like um, really cool. Like, which is what super a cool, cool thing. Singing Waiting on really, a Miracle. While you when you're like have waiting a miracle, on a miracle. Literally like you're what? about to give birth to a miracle. So again, it's a cool backstory, but it's, it's not enough cool to justify. Backstory. But yeah, no, no, no. It's not in the story. Yeah, no, no, no. It's not a good enough reason to justify, oh, we're just going to leave it in this case. Exactly. Because this is what she could do at that time. Yeah. Like, no, you. Not to dog on any pregnant women who sing, I know it like has to be the hardest thing. Mm -hmm. But like, could we have waited till after she had the baby, maybe? And then, you know, I understand production schedules, but you know. You make yeah. magic happen when it needs to happen. But here's the thing. We all know what 2020 did to about a thousand movies release dates. Sure. Um, <laughs> I'm, I don't know. I just made up a thousand. I don't know how many it was. But sure. anyway, all that to say, the key did not do justice to her It didn't vocal serve her well at all. Range. Yeah. So, so anyway, that, that's that, probably enough on that. <laughs> yeah. We, we rant because we're vocalists yeah. and we love this kind of stuff. So also, thank you for listening to my um, subpar, very subpar guitar playing for the moment there. Oh, dude, it was magical. Oh, thanks. So literally, that's the only thing that I would want to change about that scene. I love the animation of that scene. I love yeah. how she's animated. The, the I think creative really choice cool. of the slow-mo at the beginning, and she's the only one walking mm-hmm. in real time. Yeah. I love everything about the scene. It's literally just the key. Yeah. I, I the agree. key is the key. The key is the key. The key is the key. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, again, I'll, I'll wrap that up there. But okay. so what I didn't mention earlier, I said that I only liked one song. And the scene that I loved that like swept me up and I was like, okay, I'm watching a Disney animated movie and I can feel it was surface pressure. Like everything about that scene just captivated me. I was like, this reminds me of friend like me. Yeah. Like those good old classic days where they just like, there were no bounds on the animation. Right. And they just and they, like went for they it. They just went for it. And yeah. I loved the song too. Like the song is so creative. I was so confused by the song when I first heard it. Really? But then I was like, this song is the bee's knees. Oh yeah, dude, this song <laughs> rocks. It's definitely my favorite oh, yeah. song uh, on the soundtrack. Um, but Nikki had brought up some really cool points and it made me think about this scene and in a different light so i kind of want you to take the reins on this part of the conversation um what would you change so i'm going to start off by saying this is going to be controversial so welcome this whole episode's (laughs) controversial so welcome um so my big nitpick with this entire film is that there are not strong there is not a strong male lead in the film yeah the males that they have in the film have some really nice moments and they're good characters and they're good characters but the strongest male lead you have is a very adorable five-year-old boy Antonio. And I love Antonio. 
Okay. He's so I'm sweet. not here to dog on him no, or the characters all. that were created. But in my opinion, this is something that Disney has really been missing the mark on for quite some time. And it w- just Same. felt very prevalent to me in yeah. this film. Um, being a, a sibling of three, I like that there's three siblings for me to be. Oh, yeah. Like I, she, that she has two siblings. And yeah. Then, and there's you know, three she's one of, of the three. Yeah. But I, I think there, there should have been a guy. There should have been a brother. There should yeah. have been a boy. And to be honest, I've gone back and forth between like, should it have been Luisa or should it have been Isabella? Um, I think Mirabelle as a girl I think Mirabelle works. as a girl works, but I also think that they could have made Mirabelle a guy lead character. Yeah. Like, and well, again, not everyone's going to so, rate that and that's okay. So what you're but, saying is it just felt imbalanced having all three of them be girls. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There was, uh, yeah, it felt imbalanced to me. It felt like there was um, a piece of the puzzle missing. Totally. And I, I am a strong, proud female, but we need men. Totally. In the picture. That, that is part of what we need. That is part of the circle of life. Yeah. Um, and so that for me was really missing and I felt that. Yeah. Um, now let's talk specifically about Louisa. Um, cause that was kind of when you first had, when the I idea. first started having the idea, I was like, they could have made Louisa a guy. And obviously they know that <laughs> that's yeah. why they made her so strong and muscular. And I want to go and say, I don't have a problem with that. Um, I love her design. I love her design. I think she is stro so <laughs> stro. I think <laughs> she is so strong yeah. and fine. And I think they they did an excellent job of making her also feminine yeah. as well. So I, I'm not trying to say that she should have been the guy. Yeah. Um, it was just your first idea. It, it was, was just her the, character yeah, was like the first, the first thought idea. that you had. And then I also I didn't know this until later. I thought she was the oldest, but she's not. She's the middle child. Yeah, isn't that which the weirdest? Is like super weird. We'll probably talk about it some more. But Isabella is the oldest. Um, which I would anyway, totally change that. Yeah, Isabella acts way more in my, my like to me. She acts way more like the middle child than the oldest. She's sibling. got middle kid energy for sure. Yeah, I definitely think so. But anyway. <laughs> Um, so I, I did initially first think, oh, Louisa could, she could have been like the strong male lead Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, she's like really strong and muscular, but that's not like the only reason why. Sure. Um, and part of that for me is because the song that was written for Louisa is surface pressure. Yeah. Okay. If you take a step back and you look at this just from a vocal range perspective, I think it could have been so much stronger had it been sung in a guy's range. Totally. Because the low parts of the song are just, you know, they're, it's just very low. Yeah. And I feel like when she pops up in the chorus, it just doesn't quite have the same um, strength or energy Mm -hmm. that it would 
even like if it was a guy doing it like sure. a guy pop like going from really low and my husband has a low voice he would be considered a bass mm-hmm. okay um so i'm not like totally off my rocker <laughs> when when looking at vocal ranges and stuff but going from that real low to popping up to falsetto guys when <laughs> when 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 you hear a man do that well good night yeah that's it is so flipping cool yeah it is amazing it is like take me out to the ball game baby like it is it is absolutely incredible yeah um when you first told me this idea of like hey what if louisa was a guy character instead and um i immediately thought of panic at the disco yeah um, just like, okay, so I don't listen to a ton of his music, but his cover of Into the Unknown is a work of is genius. better than the original. Yes. But like the type of range that he has, I know not every guy has that kind of range, but think if they would have cast someone like a Panic at the Disco right. to sing a song like Surface Pressure, who can bring a it lot of that energy ridiculous. to the higher range. Mm-hmm. Because what they were trying to do, I think, here's my philosophy, my theory, I think by having her sing so low, they were trying to show her strength in the low notes. Right. But for but a that female... didn't convey... It, it no. was not conveyed through her tone. Because what you're asking girls to do is dig at the bottom of the barrel of their range. That's right. not going to show strength. It's going to show versatility, but right. not necessarily strength. No, and oftentimes more than not, if you're not trained well on how to do this, and I say this as a vocalist who struggles with her lower range, it shows weakness. It doesn't show strength. Yeah. So again, this is kind of a thing kind of with waiting on a miracle. It's almost a disservice to the actor to try to ask them mm-hmm. or the vocalist to, to sing in, in these ranges. Not that she sounded bad at all. No, um, I just think it could have been better. Yeah, and so just like with this song specifically having a guy who can get into that deep range and then show the strength of um, a higher the range. And just out of the song. Yeah, just give me a high tenor. Like, oh, give me a panic at the disco who yeah. can just, like, soar. Absolutely. On the, whoa, oh, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Oh, that would be fabulous. Agreed. Um, I have one more nitpick for this scene. Okay. And it's not a big one, but it is there. She sings that line in the middle of a song about, like, was Hercules ever like, yo, oh. I don't want to fight Serpris? <laughs> Um, why did they not animate Hercules to look like Hercules? And I mean, Huncules. Like, why did they not do that? I because don't know. those of us who grew up with Hercules, like That's millennial. That's expecting to see. Yeah, exactly. Millennial parents, they're going to take their little kids to this. And then imagine if you would have animated like the real Hercules and have been like, hey, I grew up with him. Do you know who that is? Right. You know, and then you get to introduce your kids to a whole new generation whole of new Disney story films. And, yeah. Yeah. So that's just a little nitpick for me, but that's more like fan pleasure thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I think surface pressure is amazing, but I think you bring up a really good point. Not that it's bad. It's wonderful. It's, it's literally my favorite song in the movie. Yeah. I so love I the can't, song. I can't knock I it. I just think it can be better. I think it can be stronger. Yeah. Now, with that said, that that's a lot about Louisa. But you and I also around kicked, we we kicked around the idea of what would it look like if Isabella, yeah, was a guy. Sure. And you know, we didn't come to anything super super solid. But I mean, because she is the oldest in the family, I thought that would have been so funny if instead of this being like this perfect princess, it was just like a really pretty boy. Yeah. 
Like, how stinking funny would that have been? A pretty boy, a super strong <laughs> like, yeah. middle sister, and then meet about. Like, yeah. that would have been so hilarious. And it would have fulfilled... Well, it would have spun the, the Disney princess trope. Which is what they were trying to do. But I think what you and I came up with it is an even more creative way of doing that. Yeah. But, sorry, what were you going to say? Just that no matter which way you land... I do think it would have just been an amazing an amazing move to make one of the sisters a boy. One of the, one of them yeah. should have been male. And one argument that I'll put in favor of Louisa's character being a guy is okay, so in my version of the movie, Louisa's the oldest cuz that just makes sense. So imagine, let's call him Luis. If okay. he's singing this song, talking about like, you know, give it to your brother, your brother's stronger. You know, see if he can hang on a little longer. Mm-hmm. Imagine the pressure of being the oldest of your family. Right. You're carrying on the bloodline. You're the one who's keeping externally the whole family together, rerouting the river, getting all the donkeys, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, and the pressure of that, knowing that you're the one who continues the family name. Well, and that's what's crazy to me is talk about toxic masculinity. I I am the oldest sibling. I have never looked at Louisa and thought, "Oh yeah, she's the middle child." Yeah, (laughs) I'm like her song is literally that. Like those were thoughts that I had growing up. Totally. But yeah, no. To your point, I think that would have been so strong. Yeah, it coming from a male perspective. And again, not here to dog on female, but we need both. Totally. To see the whole picture. Amen. Let's go. That's a, that's, I think that's a good place to, to, to move on from here. Mm -hmm. To move on to actually one of our male characters. We're going to talk about Bruno for a second. Uh, Um, We don't talk about Bruno. Oh, but we do. Right now. (laughs) We don't talk about Bruno. Bruno. We (laughs) don't talk about Bruno. Um... Again, I'm bringing up that episode of Disorder when they talked about Encanto. One of my very favorite podcasters ever is one of the hosts on there. His name's Michael Lyons, and he brings just a wealth of knowledge. Um, yeah, we love his perspective. He's, he's amazing. And one of the things that he talked about in this song specifically was, and we totally agree, that the fact that you see Bruno animated, now granted, it is Camilo like um shape-shifting as bruno Mm -hmm. but like you see him you see his face now granted his like his eyes are all like green and glowy or whatever to make him look spooky (laughs) but i wish what i loved about the first scene where they say like bruno walks in with a mischievous grin um that he's like hooded right so So you you can't fully see him but then later outline yeah and you see like his nose exactly but, but that's that's basically it. And then when Camilo shapeshifts into him and portrays his whole face, it kind of like, eh, it's it's a too early of a reveal. Yeah. They kind of play me. their hand a little bit early. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I was thinking about it um, and going way back to an old Disney film, The Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why Shere Khan is so flippin' scary is because they talk about him for like a long time in the film. He doesn't show up until the second half of the movie. Yeah. Like, when was the last time you saw that in a film? Yeah. 
But by talking about him, they build up your anticipation. Yeah. What's he going to be like? What's he going to sound like? What's he going to look like? Yeah. And then they just like spoil it in the middle of it. So I guess the alternative would be like, keep, keep the hooded creature of Bruno, you know, the hooded outline, the hooded outline of Bruno instead of uh, revealing his whole face. And that's just, again, that's a little nitpick, but like, I just feel like that would have had amazing payoff because when you do finally see Bruno in a scene or two later, when Mirabelle finds him hiding in the, in the walls, walls yeah. um, you're like, oh, I didn't expect that. Right. And imagine how much more of an impact that moment would have had if we didn't see his face. Yeah, it just would have packed like way more of a punch. And obviously, like, yes, do you see him in family portraits beforehand? Yes, yes you do. But he's always looking spooky with like the glowy green eyes. Right. And it's a you, I feel like you don't get the full essence right. of who he is mm-hmm. from the portrait. Sure. So. And in that sense, I think it takes away not just the mystery, but kind of the scariness of Bruno. And in a sense, leading up to this moment, the the family has treated him as the antagonist of this story. Yeah. Um, and then when you see him, you're like, oh, he's totally not. You no. know, and as you get I to know him. I love Bruno. Oh, he's great. He's so funny. I think he's awesome and so hilarious. Oh, man. Yeah, he's So great. much personality. See? You need males in the family. Mm-hmm. It's important, people. It's it important. important. But we uh, need them not hiding in the walls. Yeah. We need them front and center. Yeah. Well, think about movies like Tarzan, Hercules, Aladdin. Right. Hunchback. All male leads. And I think the, the best films of all are when you have a super strong male lead and a super strong female lead. And they come together and tell this amazing story, whether it's a romantic film or platonic friendship or whatever the case may be yeah i think that's when you see the very best of storytelling i agree and i think another element that is really important in the very best stories kind of going back to what i talked about um in my very first episode um this battle of right and wrong i feel like Mm. that line is being take us there take us there Andy. it's being made fuzzy and unclear more and more Mm. in our stories and it doesn't serve stories well no like it does not just because pixar does it so much doesn't mean that everyone has to do it like pixar knows what they are they are the buddy picture company Mm -hmm. and they do an amazing job at it yeah but like the the fact that Disney has and I know where I know you guys probably know where I'm going with this but like the fact that Disney in the last 10 15 years has shied away from adding real dark villain characters to their stories just astounds me because what is one of the most popular franchises in Disney the villains yeah people Disney villains. love Disney villains and they have i mean I mean, yes, are they evil? Yes. But is there evil in this world? Yes. This is, again, going back to that concept of these films, these stories help us to form our moral compass. You know, you think about Star Wars. You have the dark and the light. It doesn't work without the dark side. And I think that it's important to include a villain character in a story. I feel like it's incomplete without it. You need that tension. You need that going between. Totally. And 
I know I'm talking more in general terms about Disney overall, but I feel like it's especially missing in this story, especially for a film that's tried so hard to hit those like nostalgic beats. Right. Like give us our nostalgic beat of an actual villain. Yeah. Like the villain song, like all of that, you know, and a villain that doesn't get a redemption at the end of the story. Like show us (laughs) that evil is evil and good triumphs over it. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's you. something that's... Preach um, it. That could take this movie from like good to great. Because mm-hmm. what they make, the climax and the, the part of the story where everything falls apart is the family drama. Like I understand that family drama is real, that there's tension. And I understand that that, that does sometimes tear families apart. Right. However... When you step into an animated world, you accept subconsciously, I'm, I'm stepping into a world where I will be suspended in disbelief for the mm-hmm. next 90 minutes. Yeah. And so when you bring too much of the real world problems, let's say things like family conflict, making that the climax moment, mm-hmm. that takes you out of that place of disbelief, which is the whole point of an animated feature. And so by taking out that like super dark dramatic element and replacing it with something that's very real, it doesn't feel quite right. And it doesn't feel as genuine to the story because the story is a fantasy. Right. You know, I hope I'm explaining myself well. And I'm not saying that they needed to take out the family conflict. I think adding a villain and higher stakes would add to the intensity of that family moment. And I'm speaking specifically of when Mirabel and Abuela are going at it and Casita's falling apart. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, Abuela is accusing Mirabel of things and then Mirabel is accusing Abuela of things of like, you know, the miracle is dying because of you. Like imagine if there was other evil coming against them in that moment and it made that moment of tension that much harder because they didn't know what to fight so they fought with each other instead not realizing and opening their eyes abre los ojos to the darkness that was around them right the sad thing is the darkness wasn't there Sorry. No, I no, could no. I could go. No, no, no. No, it's good. It's good. And and it needs to be talked about. Um because so much of the time when we are dealing with conflict within our own families, we don't always know what the motive is. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you and I sat down and not seen eye to eye on something? Yeah. And then it wasn't until the end of it and sometimes way further down the road we even realized oh that's why i was upset (laughs) right it was because this other thing happened yeah that spiraled in my day or i had this terrible phone call and yeah you know yada Mm -hmm. yada but there are um what's the word like external or there there are things that happen to us outside of our uh, usual day-to-day life that feed into what happens mm-hmm. for us, where we go and how we feel and what our interactions look like. And I think to your point, um, the stakes could have been so much higher. Yeah. 
for Abuela. I had no real, I, I didn't get it. Yeah. I didn't know what she was fighting for. Exactly. Besides and, the Encanto. Okay, cool. You keep saying it. Sure. Like in the film, but why? And, and here's the thing. When you don't have a true villain character established. You start pointing fingers. You start pointing fingers. At everybody else and, and you're, everything else. Yeah, and your innocent characters who are flawed become the villains. Yep. Imagine the Little Mermaid if Ursula didn't exist. Who would be the villain? King Triton. King Triton would 100% have been looked at as the villain. And wouldn't that feel like so imbalanced? Very much. Like, think about it, you know? And of course, like, was he justified in the things that he did? No. But I understand, like, why he felt... he What he was doing was motivated by fear. And it's the same with Abuela. But, like, if you could have put in a villain character the the blame because we as the audience would have known what was going on Mm -hmm. because good storytellers will set it all up so the way the audience knows even before the characters do and so um we would have mercy on abuela where a lot of people in their analysis of this film have not had mercy on abuela yeah you know and um it's just like like it's just frustrating the way the film is set up you go into it thinking, oh, Bruno, he's going to be the villain. Exactly. Like, he's going to be the bad guy. That's why he's all in the hood and, like, you can't see him and he's, <laughs> sure. like, covered and he's got the green eyes and all this stuff. And then you're, like, then you you quickly realize, oh, no, no, no. That's not it. So who else do you look to? Abuela. She's the only other one that She's would make sense. She's the only other one that you can look to and you can point your finger at, you know? Yeah. And, but it, it's, it's, it. But it's not it. The family conflict, for for us for this film was not enough. No, but if there would have been like a villain moment leading up to this um, family conflict, the family conflict would have added to the pressure of the whole situation, and it would have felt that much more impactful. Yeah. And so I think it's uh, important to maybe talk about when would we have wanted this villain to come into the story? Yeah. And here are some thoughts. So bear with me. I think, so at the beginning of the movie, we learned that Abuelo um, was killed yeah. by these men on, this, these mysterious men on horseback. And so my idea of a villain for this- With vaguely covered faces. Right? Because <laughs> heaven forbid, someone look like a villain. <laughs> and- um, so my theory, my idea would be that one of the men, because what happens when Abuelo is killed, the miracle appears once Abuela cries. And they, yeah. because of the power of the miracle, they are pushed back. Um, it's a really well-animated, powerful scene. Um, but I picture one of those men growing up, having a son of his own, mm-hmm. and telling him about the day that I went for the Madrigal family, and I got the head, but I didn't get the rest, and I regret it. Right. And the goal of this son would be to avenge his father. Yeah, and or to, to get like the, the rest of the family. To carry out the, yeah. the family, it, it, like it, what it his basically, this is kind of a, is. This is kind of a twisted way to say it, but like the family legacy. Right. But, well, because coming from that son's perspective, it would be righteous. Exactly. It would be good, right? Yeah. And, and you describing that really reminds me of um, this animated series off Nickelodeon called Avatar The Last Airbenders. Um, 
there is a character in 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 uh, Andy. I know you haven't seen the the series, so. Mm-hmm. Um, but there there is a character, and his name is Zuko, and he's like, you you see the series start to unfold, and you're like, okay, he's he's a bad guy. <laughs> like, yeah. things are going down. He's like, fires all around and yeah. <laughs> stuff. Um, but his father, Fire Lord Ozai. I mean, that that's what he is doing. Everything that Zuko does that is wrong and that is bad is because he is trying to prove his worth and yeah. win the affection of his father. Yeah. So although to the outsider, you're like, ooh, Zuko is bad. He is not doing good things. In his mind, he's like, no, I'm doing this and my father will love me. My father will respect me. I will earn what I am seeking, I will earn the, um, like the validation. Yes. I will earn the validation of my father through my actions. Yeah. That's kind of what you're describing. Yeah. And like, I can see why that would compel someone to do something really evil like that. But again, from their perspective, it's it's not like righteous. Right. And, um, I picture how it would go is um, Abuela would always know that these people would be coming back for her. Would be coming back for her family. And that's what's going on in the back of her head. Exactly. And that's that's where the conflict is coming mm -hmm. from. For her. Her driving force. Yeah, that's why she can be emotionally abusive because she's she's trying to protect everything. And um, it's like she's sworn to herself that she'll never tell anyone that they're going to come back for her. Yeah, it's like know? she's And come made, back for the family. It's like she's made this inner vow. Yeah, totally. Right? That she's like, I'm not going to tell them, but this this is going to happen. And so she walks around with a chip on her shoulder every single day. And so she feels protected by, number one, Casita, and then number two, um, the abilities that the whole family has. Right, she feels, quote, protected, but actually inside she's terrified. Yeah, totally, which is why... Of when, whenever the shoe is going to drop. Right, and that's why she's so controlling and sometimes manipulative um, with the rest of the, f- the family members. And uh, so I always picture that being, you know, what happens and maybe, you know, one of the characters, you know, one of those men yells back at her like, I will... I will come back for you too. So run. Yeah. Like run and try to hide. Right. Um, so anyway, that's kind of who I picture the villain being. Okay. Um, and then. Do you want to talk about like, how do you see them kind of coming into the story? Sure. Well, I like what you were talking about with like a Shere Khan. What makes him so great is he's talked about, but he's never seen until like, Right. You know, toward the middle or end of the story. Which would, if you did that with this film, that would work more in your favor because sure. then you could still do like the Bruno, oh, is he the bad guy? Exactly. Like, and and you this guy's not keep, even revealed yet. Yeah, you could still keep that aspect yeah. of the film. Totally. And so I, I picture it being more like after we don't talk about Bruno, that kind of a thing. And then... um somewhere in there would be where you would learn about his backstory that's where you would learn about you know his father where he mm-hmm. chooses to avenge his father and get this family right and like take carry them out. out the mission yeah exactly yeah and i know that these thoughts aren't fully fleshed out um but these are just like concept ideas and then 
um, after he his story is introduced or maybe part of the giving context of his story mm-hmm. would be um, his song, his villain song. We're bringing it back, We're baby. bringing it back, people. And I remember we were talking and you had the idea of like, what if his song was like the antithesis of waiting on a miracle? Yeah. Because she's waiting on being part of the family and he's waited his whole life to, to destroy the, this family. The, yeah, tear to, the family To tear apart. them apart. Exactly. Yeah. So I think working off of that concept for a villain song for him could be really, really cool. Yeah. Um, and then it would be like, you know, different different shots of him starting to surround Casita mm-hmm. with him and, and different, like, members of his clan. Um, probably some kind of cult is my guess. Um, I was going to say the boogeyman. <laughs> the boogeyman. Um, but, and then it would be in the moment that Casita is falling apart because the yeah. candle is going out because Abuela is like, being crazy and she's like what are you doing and da 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 and all these things right because the pressure is building so they the and the closer the villain gets the more they feel it exactly right? all so the family members feel something into whatever is shifting and whatever is happening right even mirabel right sure like they all feel that something is up something is not right yeah and that causes the family conflict to go up up and up right because everyone's stressed out everyone's on edge because abuela's on edge but even them within their abilities in their powers their yeah. um their gifts um they can sense that something's wrong yeah and so you know it's i kind of picture it like the casita's falling apart and then it's in that moment when casita falls uh-huh that everything goes quiet uh-huh and they like appear out of the dust before that it's almost like the color grade would become unsaturated right because so like all the color because all up until this point the movie's been so bright right and vibrant and then all of a sudden all the it was all it would be like almost like all the color would be sucked out of the screen and then and out of the scene and then um i don't know why i pictured it like this but i pictured um like a reprise a very light reprise of surface pressure tell me more and it's like louisa can sense that there's something mm-hmm. wrong that there's something or someone coming. And it's almost like she's there just with her eyes closed trying to focus. And she's just whispering. Pressure like a drip, drip, drip. That'll never stop. And you can hear the wind like. Pressure that'll dip, dip, dip till you just go pop. And then she opens her eyes. Her eye starts to twitch again like it does. And then in that moment of silence, the the villain just like breaks into the scene and tries to start attacking the family. And then with you a just big go full on into a men. battle. Yeah, exactly. At this point, <gasps> so good. There's no powers, so they just have their own abilities. Right. They have like to deal with their common their sense. Their human intuition. Yeah. Um, to fight, and then, um, because I'm trying to like bridge, because I think the moment when Mirabel is like. The miracle is dying because of you. Like, this is this is real. And it's almost like you're shifting back and forth between a shot of the bad guys approaching Casita right. and then going back and forth with what's going on in the house. And you need that. You need the family conflict. Yeah. you That has to be a part of the story. Absolutely. Because that's... 
uh, that's part of it. You know, yeah. this is this is a story about family. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, this conflict begins to happen. And then somewhere along the way, Abuela, let's say, she gets, gets like hit. taken. Right. She gets taken um, or she, gets she like the head. she gets hit in the head, you know, where she like passes out. Yeah. And then at that point is when Bruno would come on the scene. Okay. Um, because later we see him like come in with a horse to try to defend Mirabelle later in the movie. Um, but I see him coming in and grabbing his mom and, and pulling her to safety. Yeah. Um, because that is the goal of everyone, of course, is to defend the family. But, um, for, I believe the parents, it would be to first defend their children then then to defend their mom. Yeah. Um, and so Bruno would take her. And then... And by parents, you're talking about... Yeah, like Tia Peppa, Peppa. and Julieta, yeah. you know, those guys. Um, and then, you know, there would be this amazing villain fighting sequence. And I picture it going, like, with the three sisters or the three siblings Yeah. Um, in our version of the story. And they would be, like, the heads of the mission, almost. They would yeah. be, like, the Captain America, like, calling the shots mm-hmm. in the war. Um, and then, you know, I don't know exactly how they would be defeated, but of course, because good conquers evil, right? The enemy would be be defeated. Right. Um, and then Mirabelle would go to find Abuela to make sure she was okay. Right. Um, and And Bruno would have taken her away to safety, to safety. And where Bruno, where I picture Bruno taking her would be back to the river exactly where everything happened, where the miracle was born, where her heart was broken, where her husband was killed. Um, where she first received the miracle. Exactly. And um, Mirabelle would find her there, and then they would go into the scene. It would feel different from what's in the movie because in the movie, Mirabelle, after the house, after Casita she crashes, flees. she flees and is at the edge of the river crying, and Abuela comes and finds her. I, yeah. I would switch it. Yeah. Where Mirabelle would find Abuela and Bruno taking care of her there. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, because it's a Disney movie and our good characters need redemption. Absolutely. Um, Don't we all, though? Don't we all need right? some redemption? That, amen. Even today. Amen. That uh, <laughs> Abuela would wake back up and she would um, talk about, like, how terrified she's been all this time. And she would sit down and tell Mirabel the whole story. Because mm-hmm. uh, she's never told her the whole story. Right. Um, and she would tell her everything that happened. Yeah. Right there. And um, that's when the Dos Oruguitas um, sequence would begin. Dos and I wouldn't change anything about that. No. Um, that scene is like flawless and the song is gorgeous and Mm -hmm. it's beautiful Mm -hmm. and yeah I just it it's so beautiful and what's so cool what I love the scene in the movie is Abuela is beating on herself Mm -hmm. I don't love that but like what comes from that um you know Abuela's like you are right it's my fault like our family miracle died because of me and then Mirabelle like just like she does in the movie takes her into the middle of the river and says no like we are a family because Because of of you you. we have a miracle 
because of you and that whole scene would happen and then the reprise of dos oruguitas would play yeah. with the butterflies flying into the scene again that's exactly like from the movie mm-hmm. and so basically what i'm what i'm saying here is i just think having like a big villain battle sequence would have just added some really great pressure to yeah. the story and then would have given the male characters who are in the movie a place to like stand up yeah. and be men you know? Yeah, and for the girls to look awesome too. Oh, totally. Well, not not just be men by showing strength, but like really stand up for their families the way that I know they would die for their families. Right. You know, and they would sacrifice themselves for that. And yeah. we would begin to see the strength of the family form even more because they wouldn't be able to rely on their gifts. Right. They would have to rely on each other. And they'd have to trust mm. what like the goodness that was inside of them. Yeah, I mean they would they would have such a real life in their face oh the magic is family yeah exactly right then and there in their face i mean maybe this is so good dude maybe this is too dramatic but i almost see it going down like a maleficent versus prince philip kind of thing where it's just like it just feels so epic in scale not right right okay 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 so like the kid who decided to attack the madrigals and take them out Uh uh-huh what if somehow he received an ability? Oh, like before Casita died? Yeah. No, no, he grew up with an ability, just like oh. the Madrigals did. I don't know how, but maybe because he was the seed of one of the men who killed. Or you maybe know, the he head was of at the, the river. Yeah, maybe. Or something. Like, he like somehow imagine, got an ability. Imagine if he had abilities too, yeah. but his abilities didn't go away when the miracle died. And so it because would be it was like, relying on the Encanto. Yeah, exactly. So that would be so interesting to watch them fight against someone who does have the gift, the ability. Yeah. Um, but they would have to partner together. Like, how cool would that be? That would be amazing. Um, and then that whole scene with Abuela and Mirabel would happen. Right. So I just think that, like, oh, there was such an opportunity. You could have seized the opportunity mm-hmm. for for a great villain character. Um, and I just think they, they missed the mark here. Yeah. This would have been one of those go from good to great things. I'm 100% with you. I mean, the last, like... And not everyone really likes her, but the last really good villain I felt like we had was Mother Gothel. Mm-hmm. From that was, that was And you want to know whose brainchild that was? Glenn Keane. We love Glenn. We'll talk about Glenn more on other episodes, yeah, believe me. we will. Um, Glenn is a, is a legendary Disney animator who yeah. has animated some of the greatest uh, Disney characters of all time. Yep. So anyway, we'll come back to him. Yeah. Just saying um, someone who knew how to do it. Exactly. And was not scared or chicken to put a villain in his movie. Exactly. Mm. Okay. Mm. The only thing I feel like that would be good to mention um regarding this whole like villain sequence if we added it in Mm -hmm. was the um the spot that we kind of thought that the villain song would kind of maybe take place yeah in the film is where maybe currently where isabella's song currently is yeah Um, which we love i love is andy loves isabella's song but Truly, I do think they could have taken what happened in that song and put it into a scene. Yeah. 
I I not do. that I mean it's really cool animation. The vocal is very well delivered. Like it's the best vocal of the movie. But I think it could have been down into a scene, and if you wanted to put a different song there, right? Let's say if the if the movie felt like it was dragging, right, and you needed to cut something, right, for time. What else can I do? Would probably be the one to cut. Yeah, even though I don't want to, but it makes sense in the grand scheme that that would be the one. What else can I do? Um, but yeah, I just picture. Okay, so like, okay, this is the final thing I'll say, and then I'll get off this villain thing. Okay, you know, like Hispanic music, how you have like intense tangos and yeah. like pasa dobles, you know, like leaning into that kind of sound for wow. the villain song. Wouldn't that be so cool? That would be so cool. That would be wild. Well, like. Borrowing from another film, um, Pocahontas, mm-hmm. the song Mine, 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 how it goes back and forth between John Smith and Governor Radcliffe, and mm-hmm. it's like, you literally get the exact opposites. It's good versus evil. Totally. Right then and there, the mm-hmm. whole time in the song, and it's just so well put together. Yeah. Dude, you could totally get that kind of vibe, because that's like tango. It's the tension, it's the back the, and forth the, between the man the push and, and the pull. woman and the push and the pull. Thank yeah. you. Yes. You could totally do something like that. Not not that you have to. The villain can totally have his own song. Yeah. Um, or her. It could be a girl. Doesn't have to be a man. No. I just pictured it in my brain as a guy, but that can always change. Yeah. You never know. You never know. Um, but yeah, totally. And it, that could even work as like a reprise, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we love oh my a good gosh, reprise. what if they sang while they battled? <gasps> That'd be so cool. <sighs> that would be amazing. Sorry, I'm just like geeking out over here about my villain moment in this movie mm. that I wish was there. Yep. So as we kind of, well, obviously we're almost through the whole, the whole story. Whole story, but there's, there's one more thing that we need to cover. Yes. Just one. Yeah. And it's actually a really small detail. Very small. It's a very... Very small little thing. Um, But again, good to great. Yes, exactly. And beyond, let's be honest. Yeah. I I love the song, All of You. I love that Encanto has its own finale song. Like, when's the last time we got a real finale song in a Disney movie? For reals. I mean... Like, I can't remember. It's usually just like a reprise of one of the other songs. But the... Frozen needed it real bad. Yeah, Frozen and desperately needed Frozen and Frozen too. Yeah, but we touched that in the Frozen yeah. Feud episode. But um, if anyway. you haven't checked out that one, go listen to that episode. It's really fun. Um, <laughs> but first, finish this one, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but this finale song is gorgeous. I love mm-hmm. the concept, and even Mirabel sings in the family madrigal, which we didn't really talk about that song, but it's wonderful. Uh, she, that's such a fun song. What a great opener. Yeah, and I know that. Um, it's kind of been critiqued because it's like, oh, there's all these characters and we're in a brand new place and how are we going to introduce them? We'll just put it all in a song. But you know what? The song slaps. The song's great. Yeah. Like it works. Totally. So, so good. Yeah. And one of the, one of the lyrics that Mirabel sings is, um, talking of, speaking of her family, so many stars and everyone gets to shine. Yeah. And they call back to that line in all of you. And she says, um, so many stars and everybody wants to shine. Mm-hmm. And then she goes in 
um, and says, but the stars don't shine, they burn. Um, which yeah. is, wow. What you going to be okay? What a concept. Like, it's so good. And I love um, in this song how you get the weaving in and out of other songs. Mm-hmm. Like little reprises of what else can I do? And surface pressure. You hear those melodies We don't talk and... about Bruno, you know, mm-hmm. but it's its own song, you know? Yeah. Um, also, the whole scene is just... It's breathtaking. It's wow. so simple. It's simple animation. It's them just building the house again. Yeah, but because of how fast this film moves, I would consider consider this to be one of the quieter moments of the film. I I'm totally not. I, I don't. I don't think I'd qualify it maybe as a straight up quiet moment, but yeah. it's one of the quieter sure moments. And and I love that they let it be. Mm-hmm. You, you, they finally let it breathe. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Which is good because they've been going. <laughs> We've been going full steam ahead. But anyway, yeah. So in this really sweet, like, quiet moment when they're you know rebuilding the casita without their abilities, without their gifts, because the miracle again is no longer burning. Um, yeah, but they, but they've learned that they haven't lost the true aspect of the miracle exactly and that's the family yeah and beyond Abuela that, even says you know like that not only that but like their community just comes and like yeah. encompasses them in basically like a big hug yeah <laughs> you know um and that so that that's also another really beautiful aspect of the scene yeah and I love when Abuela says um, a miracle is not just some magic that you've got. The miracle is you, not yeah. some gift, just, just you. you. And everyone comes to that realization, of course, um, in our version after they've fought against evil, um, not just family tension. Right. <laughs> um, they've conquered all. <laughs> right. But the very, the only thing that we would change, and this was another idea that Nikki had. So I want... I want her to share because um, I was I was so moved um, when she shared this idea. So at the very end, um, they say we have just one more thing before the celebration. Yeah. Uh, we need a doorknob. And then Antonio says, we made this one for you. And then you're <gasps> like, I'm not crying. <laughs> you're crying. Um, and then I love how they spin the lyric on her and say, we see how bright you burn. Yeah. Um, and we see how brave you've been, so see yourself in turn. You're, You're the, the real, real gift, kid. kid. Let us in. Um, and then Abuela says, open your eyes, abre los ojos, what do you see? Yeah, and then Mirabel says, I see me. She looks in the reflection of the doorknob. Yeah. All of me. And here's where the change would take place. And again, we're only talking about a couple of bars of music that I would add. Um, but I would I would change it to say, I see me, all of me. And then in the reflection, you brought this up. So yeah. this was a tag team. But sure. in the reflection of the doorknob, uh, we would have it tilt up to where you could see the family as yeah. well. So all of me and all of you. And you see me. Yeah. That's Just like. 
it's so powerful, you know, and it's the smallest little adjustment. And we were actually watching the scene earlier yeah. before we recorded. And it's strange because she's looking at herself in the reflection. Right. And then she, she turns and looks at the rest of her family and you see shots of different family members, but they don't animate her turning around. Yeah. And so it would have been such a simple move. I, granted, I know there's nothing simple about what animators do. But in the grand scheme of the whole amazing right. film that they made, <laughs> taking the one second to just do all of me and then seeing the family members and all of you, you know? Yeah. You see me. Like, so easy, right? Yeah. Um, it would be like when she says all of me and then she would, like, kind of tilt her head a little bit like, yes, but that's not the full picture. Right. And then she would adjust it. Yeah. So you could see the whole family in the reflection. Yeah. Because I think she is such a strong character in how she fights for her family throughout the whole film. And I I just would have loved to see that last little tie-in at the very end. Yeah. Um. Well, that's what the whole film's about. Yeah, and again, not not that she doesn't deserve to have her moment. I think she does. You do deserve to have the moment where you are fully seen, fully loved, you know, fully recognized. Fully known. Fully known. But when you're able to take that and look at it through the lens of your family, wow. That changes that, things. That's the kind of thing that changes your life forever totally that changes your family forever so that's why i personally would have loved to see maybe these few lines added all of me and all of all of me and all of you and you see me because it's the first time her family is recognizing hey this is you're the real gift kid this this is what you bring you, yeah. you bring us. You yeah. bring family together. Yeah. And then the rest of that scene's perfect. You know, yep. she puts the, the doorknob in and the house comes back to life. Hola, casita. Oh, so, so good. Also, spoiler, not spoiler, casita is like the best character ever. Oh my gosh, casita's Favorite the best character, character in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, what a great way to end that movie. And it had such a great emotional pull already. But imagine, if you would have added that, there would not have been a dry eye in the room. Oh, yeah. No, the emotional pull is already there. Yeah. And again, the this the scene was set. The stage was ready. The stage the was set. stage was set. But here's the thing. We've already heard that, that story of, like, you see me. Like... The gift is in me. We've we've heard this message before in films. Right. And it's powerful. But like But again, through the lens. Yeah. Of family. Exactly. Which is what this whole movie's about. And I love the I love that there's conflict. I love that it's not a perfect family. Yeah. Because guess what? If that's what you're looking for, you're not gonna find it. You're not gonna find it. Like <laughs> heads up, okay? If you're yeah. searching for normal that doesn't exist. Right. So let me save you the heartache <laughs> of the years that I searched for that. No offense, Andy. Um, but for them to, to go through 
all that they go through in the that film and then to come back and arrive at that perspective and to see it delivered from the lens in the being yeah that gut cry like the cry that we were talking about earlier in waiting on a miracle oof yeah seeing that from family wow that's good wow that's so good well i think we fixed Encanto. I think we fixed Encanto. <laughs> Encanto. Encanto. Um, this has been such a fun conversation. Yeah. And again, this wasn't to nitpick every part of this movie. No, because there's so much that we love. Oh my and gosh. And that's why, I hope that, that's like, where our motivation we... comes from. <laughs> we're just not, we're not coming at this to be like, oh, we just want to dog on it because blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever. No, like no. because we love it, we want to see it be as close to a perfect movie, you know, there, there's that label of like, what is a perfect, what is a perfect movie, you know? And we think that these steps could get it closer to that. Um, yeah, this is, this has been so fun and, uh, just like gotten me pondering on things and, um, you know, it, it really is incredible how we can communicate such important family values, such important moral values through, I love that. I loved that you talked so much about um, how when growing up, really no matter what age you are, when you you first come into really good stories and Mm -hmm. good storytelling, that it really does help sharpen your moral compass. I'm I'm, I'm really glad that you talked about that because I think, um, yeah, I I don't want to see that line blurred. Yeah, It, It should be way more out front and not ashamed you know and for whenever we have kids someday like that's what i want yeah i i i I want them to have a sense of knowing who they are and and what they believe and and to help take away some of those questions Mm -hmm. yeah totally well, I have loved this conversation. Nikki, thank you so much for joining Absolutely. the show today. Thank you for having me. This Absolutely. was so, so great. And Super I hope, fun. I hope that you guys have enjoyed this too. And I hope that it inspires you. Remember, this show is not just about what Disney does. It's about what we can do too. About what we can do too. Exactly. <laughs> and I love that we focus so much on that um, in today's episode because it really is a heart and a trademark of uh, the mission of what Magic Through My Eyes stands for. Absolutely. So uh, we hope that you guys are having just the greatest week. I hope that this episode brings a little bit of spice. extra magic and <laughs> spice and uh, encanto to your day. The encanto. Some enchantment to your day. <laughs> uh, seriously, you are so loved and, care- and cherished. Excuse me. Um, for real. We love you so much. And I hope that you have the most magical day. And I'll see you real soon.